0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapters 6 and 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The church in Jerusalem is busy growing At this time, there's probably thousands of people in the church. The Bible says that the Lord has been multiplying the numbers of people in the church. So there's lots of people gathered in the church, lots of people in this church. It's a very large church. And with many people, there comes many needs. Many needs arise because there's a lot of people in the church. And with a lot of people and with a lot of needs, there's also problems that also arise in the church. Well, last week we talked about one of the problems in the church was there was a problem between the Grecian women who felt neglected over the Hebrew women about the daily administration. And so this problem, if you were with us, you know this, was brought to the disciples. And the disciples said, it is not good for us to leave the word of God and prayer to go and wait on tables. In other words, they're saying that that would be another form of neglect for us to go and wait on tables and leave the word of God in prayer. So they recommended that the people, the congregation, choose seven men, notice the requirements. We talked about it last week. Seven men, notice number one, among you. Seven men that you know. And then also choose seven men, not only among you and that you know, But seven men who are filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Now, at the risk of sounding redundant, listen to me. Don't you remember? Had you thought about it? Did you ponder it this week? The seven men that were chosen to wait on tables were seven men who had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to work in the church cafeteria. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to take a dish rag and wipe the tables in the church. You see why? Because God takes his church seriously. I know we take it less serious today. But God says, if you're going to serve me in my kingdom, then you need to be filled with my spirit. Even in the very menial things like wiping off a table and serving tables in the cafeteria of the church. Well, this morning in verse eight, we pick up our study and we begin to look closely at one of the guys in the cafeteria. What's his name? Stephen, Stephen. If you're taking notes, in the Greek, Stephanos, Stephanos. Stephanos literally means in the Greek language, a crown. And what a more, there is no more appropriate name for this man, Stephen, because his name means crown and if you know your bibles you know that stephen is the first martyr in the christian church and so his name is fitting because he is the first to wear the martyr's crown look at acts chapter six we're going to pick up our study this morning in verse eight if you're there say amen Amen. and stephen full of the holy spirit full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people. And then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Syrians, or Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to, note this, resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And then they secretly introduced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God, and they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. But we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Stephen, according to the Bible, was a man that was full of faith and power, and he did great signs and wonders and miracles among the people. Now keep in mind, I just told you this. Stephen began in ministry serving tables. Stephen began in ministry cleaning up in the church cafeteria, if you will. Here we have a man who goes from, watch this, distributing meals to distributing miracles. He goes from distributing meals to distributing miracles. Why? How? Because, listen, God's word says, if we are faithful in little, he will make us ruler over much. Much? What's that? A lot. God says in his word, see, we have a problem being faithful in little. God says if you're faithful in little, just a little thing that you do. God needs to see faithfulness in the little thing that you do. If you are faithful to greet the people and you're on the greeters team and you're faithful to be there and you greet people with a smile, they come to Calvary, welcome to Calvary, great, glad you're here, and you are faithful, 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 someday God will raise you up and give you more to do. Someday you may wind up as a pastor, who knows? But think about it, if God has a plan for you to be a pastor but you can't be faithful in greeting people, he's probably not going to make you a pastor because you don't like people. And let's just face it, the pastor and people kind of go together. Say amen, saints, if you know that. Of course. God says, look, you've got to be faithful in little. This guy, Stephen, is an example of one who was faithful in little. And he goes from distributing meals to distributing miracles. Because God knew that he could trust him. Now, you got a pen, got a pad. I'm going to move a little bit quicker here. I want you to note here five attacks, what I call five attacks of the enemy. And it's very, very clear here. I want you to notice something. Five attacks of the enemy. Taking notes. Number one, argumentation. Number two, accusation. Number three, agitation. Are you right and quick? Number four, exaggeration. And number five, misrepresentation. Argumentation, accusation, agitation, exaggeration, and misrepresentation. Look in your Bibles in verse nine. First of all, argumentation. Some of the men of the synagogue of the freedmen or some of your, some of your Bible says the synagogue of the libertines. Synagogue of the freedmen or the synagogue of libertines. Now. In Jerusalem, at the time of Jesus, in the first century, it only took 10 men to make up a synagogue. 10 men. In the first century, we know from history that there were as many as 460 synagogues in the area of Jerusalem at this time. Because it only took 10 men to make up a synagogue. So this synagogue now, the synagogue of freedmen, was a synagogue of Jews who were slaves in another country. And they came back from Israel and they were freed men. And because they were liber- liberated. So they had that in common. They were called the synagogue of the freedmen. And then there was the synagogue of the Cyrenians. They were from North Africa. And then we have the synagogue of the Alexandrian, the synagogue of Cilicia in the synagogue of Asia. And notice all these men from the various synagogues, they come together and they are arguing with Stephen. But they were unable, did you notice in your Bibles, to resist the wisdom and the spirit of this cafeteria worker. Why? How? Don't you remember the Bible says that Stephen was a man that was full of faith? And we know that he was also full of the word. Because when you are full of faith, listen to me, when you are full of faith, you are full of the Word. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. Therefore, we know if Stephen was full of faith, Stephen was also full of the Word. We also know if Stephen was full of faith and full of the Word, then we also know that he was full of power. And here we have this man who was full of faith, full of the word, and full of power. Now, where did he get this power? Well, listen, he didn't get this power from a diploma. He got this power from an anointing. You know, you can't get the power of God from a diploma. You know, people, uh, you know, I got a PhD. I got a, PhD. Well, I got a uh, uh, MDiv. I got a DVD. I got a... <laughs> I got, you know, oh, I got my degrees. I got my diplomas. You know what? I know people who have degrees and have diplomas, and they're not anointed. You see, here we have. See, look, you could be a McDonald's worker, serving tables. Okay, they they don't serve tables at McDonald's. Okay, (laughs) bad example. But if they did, and you, wherever you work, whatever you do, listen to me. It requires, in terms of you can be a mightily used man or woman of God, not because you have a diploma, but that you have anointing. See, that's why they couldn't resist the wisdom of Stephen, because Stephen was anointed, because Stephen knew the word of God. How do you know that, Rodney? Well, faith come by hearing, hearing by the word, but we also know in just a little bit, Stephen is going to preach the longest sermon in the Bible, and Stephen is going to begin to rehearse for the Jewish people the scriptures, and he does this from memory. And they are amazed. He doesn't have a Bible in his hand as he's preaching and going over the history of Israel. And the people, as they stand there and listen, they're amazed. They can't dispute the wisdom. Notice number one, argumentation. Point number two, accusation. Notice in verse 11, they induced men to say they heard him speak words against Moses and against God. Accusations. Number three, agitation. They stirred up the people in verse 12 and brought him to the council. Agitation. And then, fourthly, exaggeration. They said in verse 13, he never stopped speaking against the temple and the law. And then, finally, fifthly, misnotice representation. Destroy this temple. Stephen is quoting Jesus when he said, destroy this temple. Three days I will raise it up. And we know that Jesus was talking about his body. But isn't it very interesting that they use the same tactic, the same accusation, and the same misquoting with Jesus? Isn't that interesting? And then look at verse 15. Everyone who saw his face, they saw his face as the face of, of an angel. I mean, get the scene here. Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin and, the, and other Jews are there. And they put Stephen in the midst. And everyone is staring at Stephen because there's a glow on his face. A glow like an angel. Like Moses. When he came down from the mountain, his face was glowing with the glory of God. And Stephen's face is glowing. And people are staring in awe. God has got everybody's attention. And the people are riveted. Looking at Stephen, wouldn't it be nice, parents, if when you give your kids the lecture that they were riveted, wouldn't that be awesome? I would just love it. It would be awesome if, you know, when us parents give our kids the lecture that our face starts glowing. And, and, And then you turn off the lights in the room. And the kids are like, no, no, stop it, stop it, you're scaring us. I can imagine, a little sanctified imagination here. I mean, I can imagine that Stephen is just there. And maybe, we don't know, we weren't there. Maybe it got dark. You know, they didn't have neon lights. And they didn't have light bulbs and all this stuff that we have today. Maybe it just got dark. And his face was glowing. And the people are staring. And it's probably silent. And the people are captivated. When all of a sudden, chapter 7, verse 1, the high priest Breaks the silence. And he said, are these things true? And then notice in verse 2, Stephen begins to defend himself against the accusations. What accusations? Well, basically, there are three of them. Number one, that he has spoken against Moses. Number two, they say he has spoken against the law. And then thirdly, they say he has spoken against the temple. And Stephen from verse two all the way through the rest of the chapter is defending himself and preaching a very long sermon. As I said, rehearsing their history in defense of these three accusations. Now, what we're going to do is it's a long sermon and we're going to take it in big chunks because I want you to see a few things as we move forward. Now, look at chapter seven, beginning in verse Two, saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. And he said, brethren, Stephen begins to preach. Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And said to him, get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and he dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell, Israel. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no children, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them, For 400 years, you know, Israel went into bondage to uh, the Egyptians for 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat the 12 patriarchs. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Listen to me closely. Verse two, listen. Verse two is very interesting because Stephen gives us some information that you won't find anywhere else in the Bible. Notice Stephen says the God of glory appeared to Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, if you do your homework, Bible students, in Genesis chapter 12, it tells us that the Lord said to Abraham. So what we find out is not only did the Lord say to Abraham, come out of the country, but Stephen tells us that the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, come out of the country. God appeared to Abraham in Mesopotamia, which, by the way, saints, is Babylon in Iraq today. Come out of Mesopotamia. Notice, which is a land of idolatry, a land of idolatry. Did you know this, that when God called Abraham, Abraham was not a Jew? When God called Abraham, Abraham, listen, was an idol-worshipping Gentile. Abraham was worshiping idols in Mesopotamia, which is a very idolatrous region, when God called him, which should give you and I hope that God calls his people because God chooses to sovereignly call his people. I don't know about you, but when God called me, I was worshiping idols in Mesopotamia. Can I get a witness? God called him when he was an idol-worshipping Gentile. And it is while Abraham was an idol-worshipping Gentile that God called him, and through Abraham and his family, God brought forth the Hebrew people. So Stephen goes back to the beginning, he traces the Jewish people's history way back to their father Abraham, who lived in Mesopotamia. And then he left Babylon. He came to Haran, stayed there till his dad, Terah, died, and then he came into the land that they now dwell in. Abraham didn't have a place in the land of Israel, but promised, a promise was given to him and that his children would inherit it. But those descendants are going to go into bondage for 400 years, and then they're going to come out, God says, and serve me. And then God gave them a covenant of circumcision. And Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob. And from Jacob, we have the twelve tribes now let's take a big chunk of text beginning in verse 9 and the patriarchs becoming envious sold joseph into egypt but what saints read that with me but god was amen and delivered him out of all of his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of pharaoh the king of egypt and he made him governor over egypt and all of his house now a famine And great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph, underline that, and the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all of his relatives to him, 75 people in all, So Jacob went down to Egypt and died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise in verse 17 drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dwelt treacherously with our people and oppressed our fathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. And Moses, at this time, was born and was pleasing to God. That literally means that Moses was a cute little baby. He was a good-looking guy. We all know Charlton Heston was a good-looking guy. Don't, we? Don't you always think of Charlton Heston when you think of Moses? I do. A good looking guy. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, meaning in the basket, Pharaoh's daughter, you know Moses' name means drawn out, it means drawn out or taken out. So Pharaoh's daughter took him away, took him out, and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was mighty in words and deeds. Remember Moses said, Lord, I stutter. You see, that was Moses' estimation of himself. But according to Stephen, Moses was a charismatic leader and a great orator. And he was very smart and very eloquent because he was trained in Egypt. Notice that. Mighty in words and deeds. Now in verse 23, when he was 40 years old, God fast forwards 40 years, it came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defeated and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they didn't get it. And The next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed them away and said, who made you the ruler? And the judge over us, see, they were rejecting the deliverer. You want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday? And then at this same, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, notice that might seem like a short statement there, but for Moses it wasn't. We're talking about 40 years that had passed, and he was 40 years on the backside of the desert in the wilderness with sheep. You know what it's like to be in 40 years with sheep. Pray for me. Uh, When he had 40 years had passed, yeah. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and he dared not look. And then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for this place where you stand is what, saints? Holy ground. I've surely seen the oppression of my people, God says, who are in Egypt. And I have heard their groanings and have come down to deliver them. And now come, and I will send you to Egypt. And then Moses, whom they rejected. You see, things are heating up in verse 35. The Moses, Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge is the one who God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown signs and wonders and signs in the, in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Stephen is making the point, and things are heating up. Listen, the patriarchs, the 12 tribes were envious of Joseph. You know the story. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and they left him for dead. But God was with him. Stephen says our fathers rejected Joseph the first time and then accepted him the second time. And isn't that in parallel with Jesus? The Jewish people have rejected him the first time. But when they look upon him, Zechariah says, whom they have pierced, they will mourn and they will accept him the second time.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923.